Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. There are no, no other requests. Can we praise God? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we magnify your name tonight. Glory, God. Hallelujah. We lift you up, Lord. Glory, God. Above every situation. Glory, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, my God. Above every circumstance. Oh, my God. Hallelujah, Lord. No matter what it looks like, we still lift you up. Hallelujah. No matter what it feels like, we still lift you up. Hallelujah. Because you are God. Hallelujah. You are the author and finisher. The beginning and end. Hallelujah, Lord. Glory, God. You have the final say. Hallelujah, Lord. I speak peace in the atmosphere. Hallelujah. Direction in the atmosphere. Glory, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, stability in the church. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In our minds. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. When the enemy comes against.
against us like a flood. Remind us, Lord, that the word of God said that you will lift up a standard. Oh, glory, God. So manifest your standard in us. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, glory, God. No compromise. No excuse. Hallelujah. We just breathe Jesus. Hallelujah. Rest in Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Glory, God. Glory, God. In the name of Jesus. God touched the Hawkins family in Kentucky. God, you know what their needs are. Hallelujah. Strength, God. Comfort, God. Direction. Hallelujah. Build up in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, safe travels back for the Moulton family. In the name of Jesus, cover and protect God. I bind every demon that tries to come against. Oh, he has no dominion. In the name of Jesus, uh, touch Taj's body, Lord. His mother is asking for prayer, and we believe that it's already done. Hallelujah, comfort for his body. In the name of Jesus, I bind every ache and every pain. Hallelujah, congestion, Lord. In the name of Jesus, God. Ha, ah, my God. In the name of Jesus, healing, Lord. For Brother Julius's nephew. Oh, my God, you already know the situation. I heard the man of God say he was seeking information, Lord, but you know what the needs are. So right now, I speak out loud in agreement, Lord, how complete healing in Jesus' name. Direction, Lord, guidance and peace for Brother Jameek, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Oh, I believe, God, you're already leading. Hallelujah, Lord. No excuses in the name of Jesus. Uh, touch this local body as assembly, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Uh, unity, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Strength. Ha, ah, my God, my God. I bind every spirit of division. In the name of Jesus. I bind every stubborn spirit. In Jesus' name. Ah, my God, my God, my God. Strengthen your leaders. In the name of Jesus. Uh, continue. Hallelujah, Lord. To pour back into them. In the name of Jesus. Ah, my God. Oh, glory, God. God, touch the service. Continue to rest in this place. Cause us to receive the word that you have prepared for us. Hallelujah. As you continue to speak through the man of God. For a right now word. Hallelujah, Lord. Uh, for a right now situation. In Jesus' name, Lord. We pray. Hallelujah, Lord. And believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Ah, glory, God. In the name of Jesus. Come on, y'all. One more praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. Now it's time. Testimonies. Who has one? Sister Kim.
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Okay. Bishop. Praise the Lord. Um, <clears throat> early in November, we had a message where I just shared what I call daily ministry, the same thing I call this one. And it was a, um, a recap of some of the things that God, um, that I call daily ministry because it's things that God shares with me on a daily basis. Now, why uh, I believe God thinks this is important for everybody to understand or know is because he wants to share things with you the same way daily, constantly, always. God wants to speak to you and share some things with you. And, and, and I just want to share a few of the things with me, with you, because I believe that they teach some valuable messages. Uh, and in the uh, first one, I would like you to uh, look at 1 Kings 21 and 25. 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 25. It said, But there was none like unto Ahab, who did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. Um, so in this passage, we say we need to be careful. Let's be careful to not be stirred up or inclined to work wickedness. Don't allow carnal desires, the love of money, desire to be popular, and any other type of pride to move you away from the Lord. Uh, we know that as humans, we are affected by the things that we experience, and we have evidence in the Bible that unbelievers and the mistaken can move us. Uh, Acts chapter 14 and verse 2 says, But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles, and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. So, so the Bible explains that people that are, are, are not right can come against you or stir you up to do things that you would not normally do. Uh, uh, the Apostle Paul gives a good example of not allowing yourself to be stirred up or moved to act differently than your faith dictates that you should. Uh, if you recall in Acts chapter 20, he was being spoken to by some people. In fact, even the prophetess uh, said some things to him and told him the danger that he, he was facing. And uh, in verses 20 through 24 of Acts chapter 20, he says, And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. That word move means to press, to oppress, like an extortioner. You know, like an extortioner obtains something by illegal threats or getting something by force. So, uh, uh, it, 
you know, the message to you is this. You, you shouldn't let anything stop you from doing what God has you doing. You shouldn't let anybody stir you up. You know, oftentimes people will tell you uh, um, how you're taking the wrong step or you're moving the wrong way when you start to do something that God has you doing. And it may be well-meaning that the people that are telling you this, uh, like these people were telling Paul, well, you don't want to go there. You know, they're going to, you know, the woman said, if you read more, more of that passage in uh, um, uh, Acts 20, you know, it's just, I see you bound up, you know, she took his girdle and put a girdle. That's how I see you bound up. He said, no, I, I, that's not going to stop me. That's not going to stop me. Um, oftentimes when you're on a job or in some place where you might have relatives or even church members or whatever, when you start to press through the thing that God is having you to do, somebody's going to have some advice to tell you, oh, I don't think you should do that. But we know that our goal is to, to do what God says and to not be stirred up like Ahab was or like the unbelieving Jews were when the apostles were going around bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. Praise God. Okay, let's look at 1 Corinthians 14 and 12. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. It says, even so you, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel through the edifying of the church. Well, you understand what, what, what he's saying. He's talking about how people want spiritual gifts. And many of us are desirous of, of them or, 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 or uh, and eager to have spiritual gifts. M most Christians, they want to think of, they, they have spiritual gifts and abilities. They want people to think that of them. Oh, yes, they're so anointed, they're this. But, but we fall short with the desire and eagerness to edify the church. You see, the message that he's saying here is that we know that you're zealous for spiritual gifts, but you should try to be uh, excel in edifying the church. That's what God is about. And that's where sometimes we fall short. Some want gifts uh, to win the loss. Some have a hunger and a desire to do kingdom work. But some want gifts for themselves. Uh, some want to be thought of as a worker in the kingdom and, and uh, uh, have, the, uh, 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 you know, have the ministers of God lost their zeal is the question. Have you lost your zeal? There, there was a time when someone called to minister to the lost and to the people of God were very zealous. Uh, they were eager to witness, to create and have Bible studies with folks in their homes. They longed for an opportunity to teach the people of God, mostly because they were meditators, studiers, and prayers. Uh, they were full of insight and information that God gave them during their meditations, their studies, and their praying, and had a great desire to share it with the lost as well as other saints. Today, we have few who have that kind of zeal. Um, an example might be, uh, um, you know, like I, I know of people that have had churches that started, or they just said, I'm going to start a church. I, I believe God wants me to. Uh, have a church and uh, but what they really wanted was the church that somebody else had 
they wanted the church that they left. You want that? You don't want to really start a church. You don't want to go out and teach and win souls and uh, uh, build a church for God. You just want to be something. Praise the Lord. And that's always the tell. In Titus chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says, Look, Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So, so what Jesus, one of the things that Jesus wanted to do was bring a people together who was zealous to do things for God, zealous of good works, and uh, uh, not people that would just wanted things for themselves. We, we somehow have lost the zeal or that burning desire to see people saved and to build the kingdom of God. That's uh, one of the things that God is speaking about. Uh, uh, 2 Timothy 1 and 6 says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. So stir up the gift of God or uh, the gift that God has put in you. Don't let it die or lay dormant. God is using you to fulfill his will. Be encouraged. You're a soldier, a candle, an ambassador of Christ. Don't neglect your gift. Let the Lord use you. Praise God. Let's see. Here's some other things God is talking about. In 1 Timothy 4 and 14, it says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by the prophecy uh, which is in, which with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. What we what we do have today is a a, a a great number of online preachers and teachers. Uh, there's a myth that is prevalent in the minds of many people, if not completely, at least a little bit. And that is, if it's online. It must be or has to be true. And people think they see something, oh gosh, I, I, that was on, on the computer online. So it must be true. Just because someone has a website does not mean that what they are presenting is true. Praise God. In fact, you probably know that if you've seen some of the things online, on websites and on YouTube and what have you. Uh, and, you know, um, the detriment of that is we have many people who are not just online preachers and teachers, but we have a lot of online churchgoers. You know, they get their messages from online. They assume that, you know, this person who has a website, they must be real. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 13 through 14, it says, But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father had not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. So, uh, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I have a soft spot for believers that are being led astray by teachers that are mistaken, that are unaware, and that are operating in error. That, that bothers me. Uh, they are teachers that God didn't plant. And... Uh, the warning of the blind leading the blind was apparently important to the Lord also because he taught on, on another occasion. That wasn't the only time he said that. In Luke 6, 39, he spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they both 
uh, shall they not both fall into the ditch? So be careful who you're led by. Like God wants you to, to, to understand that. You need to be careful of, of who you're led by. And we have people right now who have been born again and whatever, and they, they hop from one thing to the other. They're seeking something, something beyond what God has led them to or what God is doing with them. They're, they're trying to find, I, I, don't, I don't understand. Uh, you're trying something. Um, I had a, I had a, um, a real thing of being or staying where God led me. We were in churches, uh, Camille and I, uh, coming up, and, and I know it was under God's direction. We were in churches where, you know, uh, Camille had to correct people. You know, she, it's not like she just goes around looking to correct people, but she's a corrector. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Especially when it comes to race. You know, we had a, a pastor's wife, and Camille was sharing with her how even from when we were in New Orleans, we noticed that, you know, in this particular church organization, there was a lot of racism. And Camille was explaining to her that, yeah, you know, that was an issue that she had, you know, assuming that she would take hold of it and they could raise above this, not be a church like that themselves. And she asked Camille, she said, I don't know what they think. There's going to be a different place, you know, in heaven, there's going to be a separate place for blacks and whites. And Camille asked her, what make you think they're going to get to heaven? Because she hadn't thought that far into it. But she walked away thinking that's the problem. You think that it's okay. And that, you know, that'll be all right. But but whatever the case is, you, you sometimes are, are led by people who are not uh, able to direct. In Second Peter 3.17, it says, You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, Beware, lest you also, being led away by the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. So, you know, that kind of goes along with uh, being stirred up to do something wrong or being stirred up to leave what God is trying to do with you. Uh, there's, there's this warning, again, in the Bible, that we should beware unless you are uh, uh, led away by the error of the wicked. Uh, and fall from your own steadfastness. In other words, you could be steadfast in God and somebody, you're led by something that's wrong and you fall from what you know to be true. Praise the Lord. Let's look at Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 40. It says, And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose uh, that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered into thy house, thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she had washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, had not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, 
but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is given, is forgiven rather, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven, and they that said at me with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that can forgive that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. So so here, here's a here's a situation. Some you may be familiar with the situation. This man invited Peter over to his house and went um, and Jesus over to his house and Jesus came over and he came over for a meal and what have you. And, and a woman came in, and she was obviously a woman that wasn't looked on to be uh, highly uh, respected or whatever. Uh, she, she may have been a harlot or whatever and whatever. But this woman honored Jesus. She did all the things, kissed his feet, tears, cried, whatever, all the things that he described. And, and, and of course, the people there uh, said, boy, if he, he, you know, he can't be who he says he was because if he was a prophet, he'd have known who this woman was what she was so so jesus explained to him uh, the whole situation what the reality of it was with this particular woman and he told the woman that she was her faith saved her and this woman was just at a dinner party and honored jesus anointing his feet but her faith saved her as saved means to deliver or protect to heal to preserve to do well to make whole and then uh, uh, there's another situation where in Luke uh, chapter 17, verses 14 through 19, it says, And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, where were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Uh, uh, there are not found that turn to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto them, Arise unto him, arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. So you have here a man who just comes back to worship Jesus after being healed of leprosy. You're familiar with that. He healed ten lepers. And he told them, go show yourself to the priest. Of course, they were still in the Old Covenant, so the priest is the only one that could tell you when your leprosy was uh, healed enough for you to go out into public. So he told them, go show yourself to the priest. And as they started to walk, they were healed. So one of them came back and worshipped him. And that man, the Bible said, Jesus said, your, your, your faith, has made thee whole. That word whole means to save, to deliver, to protect, to heal, to preserve. Same word as save. Praise the Lord. In Luke 8, 45 through 48, it said, Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody has touched me, for I perceive that virtue is going out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. 
And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. And here you have a woman who trusted that if she could just touch Jesus' garment, she would be healed. And that's what happened. Praise the Lord. In, in Mark chapter 10, verses 48 through 52, it says, And many charged him that he should come, that he should hold his peace. Uh, uh, but he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him uh, to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garments, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. And Jesus said to him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. So uh, uh, the man uh, called out to Jesus and asked to be healed of blindness. In, in all of these situations, what you see is Jesus declared something. You that, that were uh, um, in whatever kind of trouble you're in, the, uh, the, the, um, the woman at the party, your faith made you whole. It saved you. In the other situation where uh, the man came back and worshipped Jesus after being healed of leprosy, Jesus told him, your faith has made you whole. The, uh, um, the blind man, the woman who touched his garment, in every situation, faith never failed. And Jesus wanted to speak that, you know, that was a thought that he gave me. I want you to see this, how faith never failed. Because a lot of people will say, no, I believe. But faith is persuasion, is credence, is moral conviction of a religious truth or the truthfulness of God or a religious teacher. Uh, especially if reliance upon Christ for salvation. It means constancy in that profession. Uh, it's the whole system of religious gospel truth itself. It's assurance. It's belief. It's to believe. It's fidelity. So faith has a multifaceted definition, but your faith can do many things for you, and faith never fails. It never fails. Praise the Lord. Okay, and uh, let's look at um, Psalms. 95, verse 10. He said, 40 years long was I grieved with this generation and said, it is a people that do err in their heart and they do not know my way. So, so the Bible says this, that Jesus felt a loathing at that generation. In other words, he suffered to be around them. He suffered to be around it's a It's a terrible thing to grieve the Lord. In fact, we are instructed not to. So, so if you if you understand when it, when the Bible says that forty years, Jesus said forty years was I grieved with this generation. It, it, he's saying he, he loathed them. It was loathing to him. You know, it bothered him to be around them. I don't know if you ever had that feeling when you're around people that are not of faith or that people that are faithless. And you're talking to them and you're sharing with them and you're trying to get them to understand 
the, the uh, what is available to them and what they can have, but they seem not to do it, then it it it, it, it bothers him. It grieved him. Praise the Lord. Uh, but in, in any way, uh, um, uh, the Bible tells us to grieve not the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit of God in Ephesians four and thirty, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So. Uh, what we understand or what we know is the Bible teaches us also that grieving the Lord can cost your life. In Hebrews 3 and 10, it says, Wherefore was I grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Verse 17 says, But with whom was I grieved forty years? Was it not them that has sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness. So, you know, this grieving thing, like he was grieved with the generation of people, he was grieved with these people. And, and uh, um, uh, the Bible says that these people, the people that grieved them for 40 years, they, they died in the wilderness. And we're instructed not to grieve the Spirit of God. So, we again, uh, this is just an instruction or something that God wants us to understand that, hey, you know, this is important in our march, in our life, in our walk with God, that we grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Glory to God. Okay, and then um, I have one more I want to share with you in Second Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. It says, in all things are of God who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation now with God we have to understand that reconciliation is what it's all about we know this that from the time that Adam and Eve fell in the garden that God has been about the rest of the Bible is uh, God uh, leading us back to reconciliation to him. The whole Old Testament, the New Testament, tells all the way back, all the way up until Christ comes and pays the price for our sins so that we can be reconciled to him. But the rest of the Bible is the construction of that, how God brought us back to him, what he did. So that's what God is all about, reconciliation to him in, 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 in relation to man. The Lord planned and has been working with us, restoring us to divine favor since the fall of man. Uh, for us, that he has restored, he has given to us, uh, given it to us to, to, to assist in this restoration of others. That's what the Bible says, given to us the word of reconciliation. In other words, we're supposed to be helping. Basically, we are here to present the gospel and to win souls. We're here to present the gospel and win souls. I remember when I when I was first saved, one of the things that 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 um, uh, I wanted to understand after a while was, okay, if we're saved, if we're born again, and we're now cleansed, God, and everything is good, then why are we still here? Why didn't you just take us up into heaven when that happened? Because now we have a chance, an opportunity, you know, before for a little while. I didn't, I didn't know anything about backsliding. I thought, you know, you say, we end forever. But I didn't know that you could fall. But when I found out, okay, but God, now we have opportunity to fall away, 
all these things tempting us and drawing us and doing all kinds of things, the spiritual warfare going on. Why didn't you just take us there? Because you have a purpose here. Because I'm about restoration. And the same way I restored you unto me, I've given you the word of, re of, of, of restoration or reconciliation so that you could restore people also. So we're, we're part of this thing to present the gospel. So here's one of the things that you said. Uh, 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 I think it was Sunday morning. I said, I have a joke about that. I said, you all look beautiful, you know. Uh, uh, but I have a little joke, but I, I'm not going to tell it to you. But this was the joke I was going to say. You look good. You're looking beautiful. But you've got ugly feet. You've got ugly feet. And the Bible says in Isaiah 52 and 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of them that bring good tidings and publish peace, that bring good tidings of good, that publishes salvation, and that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. So we're basically saying that the people, your feet are beautiful if you're out there speaking the gospel and winning souls. So while you're all dressed up and looking nice and everything, your feet are ugly, unless you're out publishing peace, bringing good tidings of good. If you're publishing salvation, that said uh, uh, unto Zion, thy God reigns. And that's what God is looking for. He's about. He's all about uh, reconciliation, being reconciled to Him. He's given us to be a part of this. Praise the Lord. So the again, these are these are simply uh, daily ministry things that God would speak, uh, and uh, it, I don't know if you, there's an array of things that He speaks about. Um, uh, everything from being stirred up to do wrong, uh, God, not not letting yourself be pulled away from Him. Uh, being zealous for the for the things of God, uh, remembering what's in you, what He's done in you, because God says, "Look, I want you to. If you're going to be stirred up, I want you to be stirred up in what I've done in you, so that you could carry on and do the things uh, of God." And this this one about uh, some some things are a little bit more shocking than others when God shares them with you, uh, or they they have a little bit more impact. And, and they cause you to remember things or think back because the part where, you know, um, the people of God today have lost or are losing their zeal. I, I, I mean, just from my own experience, you know, maybe I need to go other places or more other places, but I, I don't see that kind of, the kind of zeal that, you know, um, I did or I experienced. Uh, earlier in my Christian life. Now, I know that there are places where that occurs. Uh, for instance, um, I know that some of the churches that we're involved with in Kenya, you know, they, they seem to be very zealous for the works of God. They're always going somewhere, starting new churches. In fact, some of you who remember me talking about it, I don't know if this, these people have a building or anything yet or a hut or whatever you want to call it. But there's a church that meets under a tree. You know, they don't have a building. They just meet under the same tree when they get together. Uh, and the people that are the teachers and presenting, uh, the preachers 
of those people are people that have great zeal. Like, I'm not going to let anything stop me. You know, um, when I, when I, <laughs> when I first went to Kenya, I was impressed that, you know, and some of you who were here, when I came back, you know, what I said is, boy, we, we really haven't had church. We, we're, we haven't, we're not really doing it because these people have dirt floors. No such thing as an air conditioner. Uh, in fact, they, they ran the sound system on big, large truck batteries. You know, so little inconveniences like that, uh, things that, you know, would cause many American people to, well, I'm not going to that church. I'm not going to be there. I can't, you know, we don't have enough. We don't have this. We don't have that. Uh, they work past. So that, that's a, that's a real uh, point for Christians in general to take heart in, you know, do you have zeal? Do you have the fire, the burning desire to see the things of God take place? You know, do you, do you, are you seeking for gifts of God for yourself or are you trying to edify the church? These are all things that the Bible teaches. You know, no, I know you desire spiritual gifts, but, uh, uh, is it you, what you really should be doing is desiring to edify the church. You know, Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church about that. You know, everybody running around, you trying to uh, uh, speak a, a, a message in tongues or interpret in tongues. Oh, but what you should be doing is trying to edify the body. Praise the Lord. And uh, we simply want to be about the things that God is about and wants us to be about. And one of the ways that we can do that is by involving ourselves with God in some daily ministry. Not just Sunday and Wednesday, daily. In other words, God, I want to have something that I'm doing, some purpose, something that I'm fulfilling, something that I'm doing in the kingdom every day. In other words, I'm occupied with this. Occupied with this. Glory to God. So, um, So we, 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 we take heart in all the things that God wants to teach us and uh, let's start beautifying our feet. <laughs> let's get out there and start spreading the word. Father, right now, we thank you for all the things that you share with us. We thank you, God, that you, you, you not only meet with us on those given times or whatever times we think we're supposed to be with you, but God, you, you come to us and you speak to us and you teach us daily. Lord, you give us revelation always during the, all, at all times during the day. Not just when we decide to pray. Not just when we think it's, it's our time or an appointed time. But God, because you're an ever living God, you, you speak to us in all of our lives. You speak to us about life. You're constantly teaching us the things that we need to know. Lord, some things are personal to our lives and some things are a part of the entire fellowship, the church of God. Lord, whatever it is, we thank you. We appreciate it. We realize, God, that serving you is not just a good idea, but it's a necessity. 
We need you, Lord. And we thank you so much for all the things that you do. We ask, oh God, that you continue to keep our minds free and open, that you develop in us, stir up in us the gift that you've given us, cause us to be zealous for good works. That's what you came and died for, Lord. Lord, in all these things, we thank you and we praise you. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' precious name. Amen.